Chapter Twelve, Part Two of The Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection, by Charles Darwin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Your reader, Michael Armenta. Alternate glacial periods in the north and south. But we must return to our more immediate subject. I am convinced that Forbes's view may be largely extended. In Europe we meet with the plainest evidence of the glacial period, from the western shores of Britain to the Ural Range, and southward to the Pyrenees. We may infer from the frozen mammals and nature of the mountain vegetation that Siberia was similarly affected. In the Lebanon, according to Dr. Hooker, perpetual snow formerly covered the central axis and fed glaciers which rolled four thousand feet down the valleys the same observer has recently found great moraines at a low level on the atlas range in north africa along the himalaya at points nine hundred miles apart glaciers have left the marks of their former low descent and in Sikkim, Dr. Hooker saw maize growing on ancient and gigantic moraines. Southward of the Asiatic continent, on the opposite sides of the equator, we know, from the excellent researches of Dr. J. Host and Dr. Hector, that in New Zealand immense glaciers formerly descended to a low level, and the same plants, found by Dr. Hooker on widely separated mountains in this island, tell the same story of a former cold period. From facts communicated to me by the Reverend W. B. Clark, it appears also that there are traces of former glacial action on the mountains of the southeastern corner of Australia. Looking to America, in the northern half, Ice-borne fragments of rock have been observed on the eastern side of the continent, as far south as latitude 36 and 37 degrees, and on the shores of the Pacific, where the climate is now so different, as far south as latitude 46 degrees. Erratic boulders have also been noticed on the Rocky Mountains. In the Cordillera of South America, nearly under the equator, glaciers once extended far below their present level in central chile i examined a vast mound of detritus with great boulders crossing the portillo valley which there can hardly be a doubt once formed a huge moraine and mr d forbes informs me that he found in various parts of the cordillera from latitude thirteen to thirty degrees south at about the height of twelve thousand feet deeply furrowed rocks resembling those with which he was familiar in norway and likewise great masses of detritus including grooved pebbles along this whole space of the cordillera true glaciers do not now exist even at much more considerable heights further south on both sides of the continent from latitude forty one degrees to the southernmost extremity we have the clearest evidence of former glacial action in numerous immense boulders transported far from their parent source from these several facts namely from the glacial action having extended all round the northern and southern hemispheres from the period having been in a geological sense recent in both hemispheres 
from its having lasted in both during a great length of time, as may be inferred from the amount of work effected, and lastly from glaciers having recently descended to a low level along the whole line of the Cordillera. It at one time appeared to me that we could not avoid the conclusion that the temperature of the whole world had been simultaneously lowered during the glacial period. But now Mr. Kroll, in a series of admirable memoirs, has attempted to show that a glacial condition of climate is the result of various physical causes brought into operation by an increase in the eccentricity of the Earth's orbit. All these causes tend towards the same end, but the most powerful appears to be the indirect influence of the eccentricity of the orbit upon oceanic currents. According to Mr. Crawl, cold periods regularly recur every ten or fifteen thousand years, and these, at long intervals, are extremely severe, owing to certain contingencies, of which the most important, as Sir C. Lyle has shown, is the relative position of the land and water. Mr. Crawl believes that the last great glacial period occurred about 240,000 years ago, and endured, with slight alterations of climate, for about 160,000 years. With respect to more ancient glacial periods, several geologists are convinced, from direct evidence, that such occurred during the Miocene and Eocene formations, not to mention still more ancient formations, but the most important result for us, arrived at by Mr. Kroll, is that whenever the northern hemisphere passes through a cold period, the temperature of the southern hemisphere is actually raised, with the winters rendered much milder, chiefly through changes in the direction of the ocean currents. So, conversely, it will be with the northern hemisphere, while the southern passes through a glacial period. This conclusion throws so much light on geographical distribution that I am strongly inclined to trust in it, but I will first give the facts which demand an explanation. In South America, Dr. Hooker has shown that besides many closely allied species, between forty and fifty of the flowering plants of Tierra del Fuego, forming no inconsiderable part of its scanty flora, are common to North America and Europe, enormously remote as these areas in opposite hemispheres are from each other. On the lofty mountains of equatorial America, a host of peculiar species belonging to European genera occur. On the Oregon Mountains of Brazil, some few temperate European, some Antarctic, and some Andean genera were found by Gardner, which do not exist in the low intervening hot countries. On the Scylla of Caracas, the illustrious Humboldt long ago found species belonging to a generic characteristic of the Cordillera. In Africa, several forms characteristic of Europe, and some few representatives of the flora of the Cape of Good Hope, occur on the mountains of Abyssinia. At the Cape of Good Hope, a very few European species, believed not to have been introduced by man, and on the mountains several representative European forms are found which have not been discovered in the intertropical parts of Africa. Dr. Hooker has also lately shown that several of the plants, living on the upper parts of the lofty island of Fernando Po, and on the neighboring Cameroon Mountains in the Gulf of Guinea, 
are closely related to those on the mountains of Abyssinia, and likewise to those of temperate Europe. It now also appears, as I hear from Dr. Hooker, that some of these same temperate plants have been discovered by the Reverend R. T. Lowe on the mountains of the Cape Verde Islands. This extension of the same temperate forms, almost under the equator, across the whole continent of Africa, and to the mountains of the Cape Verde archipelago, is one of the most astonishing facts ever recorded in the distribution of plants. On the Himalaya, and on the isolated mountain ranges of the peninsula of India, on the heights of Ceylon, and on the volcanic cones of Java, many plants occur, neither identically the same, or representing each other, and at the same time representing plants of Europe, not found in the intervening hot lowlands. A list of the genera of plants collected on the loftier peaks of Java raises a picture of a collection made on a hillock in Europe. Still more striking is the fact that peculiar Australian forms are represented by certain plants growing on the summits of the mountains of Borneo. Some of these Australian forms, as I hear from Dr. Hooker, extend along the heights of the peninsula of Malacca, and are thinly scattered on the one hand over India, and on the other hand as far north as Japan. On the southern mountains of Australia, Dr. F. Muller has discovered several European species. Other species, not introduced by man's, occur on the lowlands, and a long list can be given, as I am informed by Dr. Hooker, of European genera found in Australia, but not in the intermediate torrid regions. In the admirable Introduction to the Flora of New Zealand, by Dr. Hooker, analogous and striking facts are given in regard to the plants of that large island. Hence, we see that certain plants, growing on the more lofty mountains of the tropics in all parts of the world, and on the temperate plains of the north and south, are either the same species or varieties of the same species. It should, however, be observed that these plants are not strictly arctic forms, for, as Mr. H. C. Watson has remarked, quote, in receding from polar toward equatorial latitudes, the alpine or mountain flora really become less and less arctic. End quote. Besides these identical and closely allied forms, many species inhabiting the same widely sundered areas belong to genera not now found in the intermediate tropical lowlands. These brief remarks apply to plants alone but some few analogous facts could be given in regard to terrestrial animals. In marine productions, similar cases likewise occur. As an example, I may quote a statement from the highest authority, Professor Dana, that, quote, It is certainly a wonderful fact that New Zealand should have a closer resemblance in its crustacea to Great Britain, its antipode than to any other part of the world. End quote. Sir J. Richardson also speaks of the reappearance on the shores of New Zealand, Tasmania, etc., of northern forms of fish. Dr. Hooker informs me that twenty-five species of algae are common to New Zealand and to Europe, but have not been found in the intermediate tropical seas. From the foregoing facts, namely the presence of temperate forms on the highlands across the whole of equatorial Africa, and along the peninsula of India, 
to ceylon and the malay archipelago and in a less well-marked manner across a wide expanse of tropical south america it appears almost certain that at some former period no doubt during the most severe part of a glacial period the lowlands of these great continents were everywhere tenanted under the equator by a considerable number of temperate forms at this period the equatorial climate at the level of the sea was probably about the same with that now experienced at the height of from five to six thousand feet under the same latitude or perhaps even rather cooler during this the coldest period the lowlands under the equator must have been clothed with a mingled tropical and temperate vegetation like that described by hooker as growing luxuriantly at the height of from four to five thousand feet on the lower slopes of the himalaya but with perhaps a still greater preponderance of temperate forms so again in the mountainous island of fernando po in the gulf of guinea mr mann found temperate european forms beginning to appear at the height of about five thousand feet on the mountains of panama at the height of only two thousand feet dr seaman found the vegetation like that of mexico quote, with forms of the torrid zone harmoniously blended with those of the temperate it is a remarkable fact strongly insisted on by hooker in regard to america and by adolphe de candol in regard to australia that many more identical or slightly modified species have migrated from the north to the south than in a reversed direction we see however a few southern forms on the mountains of borneo and abyssinia i suspect that this preponderant migration from the north to the south is due to the greater extent of land in the north and to the northern forms having existed in their own homes in greater numbers and having consequently been advanced through natural selection and competition to a higher stage of perfection or dominating power than the southern forms and thus when the two sets become commingled in the equatorial regions during the alternations in the glacial periods the northern forms were the more powerful and were able to hold their places on the mountains and afterwards migrate southward with the southern forms but not so the southern in regard to the northern forms in the same manner at the present day we see that very many european productions cover the ground in la plata new zealand and to a lesser degree in australia and have beaten the natives whereas extremely few southern forms have become naturalized in any parts of the northern hemisphere through hides wool and other objects likely to carry seeds have been largely imported into europe during the last two or three centuries from la plata and during the last forty or fifty years from australia the nalgari mountains in india however offer a partial exception for here as i hear from dr hooker australian forms are rapidly sowing themselves and becoming naturalized before the last great glacial period no doubt the intertropical mountains were stocked with endemic alpine forms but these have almost everywhere yielded to the more dominant forms generated in the larger areas and more efficient workshops of the north in many islands the native productions are nearly equalled or even outnumbered by those which have become naturalized and this is the first stage toward their extinction mountains are islands on the land 
and their inhabitants have yielded to those produced within the larger areas of the north, just in the same way as the inhabitants of real islands have everywhere yielded, and are still yielding to continental forms naturalized through man's agency. The same principles apply to the distribution of terrestrial animals and of marine productions in the northern and southern temperate zones, and on the intertropical mountains. When, during the height of the glacial period, the ocean currents were widely different to what they are now, some of the inhabitants of the temperate seas might have reached the equator. Of these, a few would perhaps at once be able to migrate southwards by keeping to the cooler currents, while others might remain and survive in the colder depths until the southern hemisphere was in its turn subjected to a glacial climate and permitted their further progress in nearly the same manner as, according to Forbes, isolated spaces inhabited by Arctic productions exist to the present day in the deeper parts of the northern temperate seas. I am far from supposing that all the difficulties in regard to the distribution and affinities of the identical and allied species, which now live so widely separated in the north and south, and sometimes on the intermediate mountain ranges, are removed on the views above given. The exact lines of migration cannot be indicated. We cannot say why certain species and not others have migrated, why certain species have been modified and have given rise to new forms, while others have remained unaltered. We cannot hope to explain such facts until we can say why one species, and not another, becomes naturalized by man's agency in a foreign land, why one species ranges twice or thrice as far, and is twice or thrice as common as another species within their own homes. Various special difficulties also remain to be solved. For instance, the occurrence as shown by Dr. Hooker, of the same plants at points so enormously remote as Kerguelen Land, New Zealand, and Fuegia. But icebergs, as suggested by Lyell, may have been concerned in their dispersal. The existence at these and other distant points of the southern hemisphere, of species which, though distinct, belong to genera exclusively confined to the south, is a more remarkable case. Some of these species are so distinct that we cannot suppose that there has been time since the commencement of the last glacial period for their migration, and subsequent modification to the necessary degree. The facts seem to indicate that distinct species, belonging to the same genera, have migrated in radiating lines from a common center, and I am inclined to look in the southern, as in the northern hemisphere, to a former and a warmer period before the commencement of the last glacial period, when the Antarctic lands, now covered with ice, supported a highly peculiar and isolated flora. It may be suspected that before this flora was exterminated during the last glacial epoch, a few forms had been already widely dispersed to various points of the southern hemisphere by occasional means of transport, and by the aid, as halting places, of now sunken islands. Thus, the southern shores of America, Australia, and New Zealand may have become slightly tinted by the same peculiar forms of life. Sir C. Lyell, in a striking passage, has speculated, in language almost identical with mine, on the effects of great alternations of climate throughout the world on geographical distribution. 
and we have now seen that Mr. Kroll's conclusion that successive glacial periods in the one hemisphere coincide with warmer periods in the opposite hemisphere, together with the admission of the slow modification of species, explains a multitude of facts in the distribution of the same and of the allied forms of life in all parts of the globe. The living waters have flowed during one period from the north and during another from the south, and in both cases have reached the equator, but the stream of life has flowed with greater force from the north than in the opposite direction, and has consequently more freely inundated the south. As the tide leaves its drift in horizontal lines, rising higher on the shores where the tide rises highest, so have the living waters left their living adrift on our mountain summits in a line gently rising from the arctic lowlands to a great latitude under the equator the various beings thus left stranded may be compared with savage races of men driven up and surviving in the mountain fastnesses of almost every land which serves as a record full of interest to us of the former inhabitants of the surrounding lowlands. End of chapter 12, part 2